Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Okay, boys, uh, time for another show. Yes, what kind of show? Inside Curling, coming to you from all parts of the world this week. Kevin is over in Korea. Warren uh, wakes up each morning wondering, where am I? No, you don't. <laughs> we like to dig Warren a little bit about his age. Warren's in BC, of course, and uh, I'm in Sudbury. Warren, the home of the great Rusty Tate. I bet you remember Rusty from back in the day. I played against him in the briar. See, I knew you would know that. I, I'm trying to stump Warren with great curlers. He knows every freaking... He was playing with Chucker Ross. There you go. I was going to mention, <laughs> you, took a, you took the words out of my mouth because I caddied. For Chucker Ross and Rusty Tate, they were both fantastic golfers at the Idlewild. Uh, uh, we thank everybody for joining us. And, of course, we thank all of our sponsors uh, who make this happen each and every week. We couldn't do it without Sports Interaction, who brings you what's happening around the curling world. Nestle Boost, the sponsor of Mailbag. Coyote Tractor is our Hot Rock Topics uh, session. And Goldline, who brings you in the house. And we've got a guest. And our new sponsor, Hearing Life, who sponsors What Are You Hearing? Also... We've reached the big time, fellas. If you happen to be driving down Young Street, okay, in Toronto, I think it was Young and Dundas, okay, uh, <laughs> the most popular intersection in Canada for sure. And if you would have looked up way up, as the friendly giant used to say, I saw the inside curling logo on a big billboard. Unbelievable, fellas. We've reached the big time, you know? <laughs> I've had my name in lights, but they were underneath sirens in a police car, you know? So, uh Anyway, that was kind of cool. It's Amazon who's uh, gotten involved, and our Inside Grilling is now available on Amazon. If you want to listen to the shows ad-free, you can do it through Amazon. So I was proud. You know, if not for me, you guys were nowhere. Okay, we're nowhere. (laughs) Without you, Jim, we're nothing. I know. (laughs) Uh, Of course, that's our two World Curling Hall of Famers, uh, Kevin Martin and Warren Hanson, who uh, do this each and every week. Uh, We've got a great show. In the house, we've got Glenn Howard. I think I read, uh, when you read his stats, four-time world champion, which means, of course, four Briar champions, many, many appearances, multi, multi, multi-time winner at the provincial level. Is he the most decorated guy, Kev? Do you? I know you're there with Glenn. He's there coaching Brent Lang and uh, Jennifer Jones in the mixed doubles. Do you guys ever go toe-to-toe going, oh, yeah, I got one more than you, you know? <laughs> How far back do you have to go so you guys can you can win the medal championships? Oh, we don't do much of that. No, Glenn and I get along great, but he has won a ton of stuff uh, over the years and so many bond spiels. And he's been to a, I don't even know how many briars. It's got to be close to 20. And he's an impressive curler. And the thing that separates, like, uh, I was ready to retire when I was, I think I was 48 when I retired. He's not retired yet. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> you know, that's amazing to be able to continue to play and love the game and compete at that at the highest level uh, seemingly forever. And I remember one very big game between the two of you. You remember that one? Which one? That would be the one to determine who is going to go to the Olympics in Vancouver. Ah, that was a good game in Edmonton. That was minus 52 degrees. Huge game. <laughs> yes. 14,000 people in the building, yeah. and it was a great game. Both teams played fantastic. Yeah, I was there. Warren, when you were running Curling Canada and all their events, was, was he one of your go-to guys, uh, Warren, when you were looking at curling and the growth of it? And should he be one of the go-to guys now with this new association that's coming up to get guys at the table, as we've heard? I think without question. I mean, he's gone through uh, so many uh, eras, really, um, as a top-level player. And uh, his, his wisdom and knowledge from all that, uh, I, I think, is invaluable. So, you know, I, I hope that they are consulting people like Glenn. 
Kevin would be another one who have been there and played for over so many years can often see things that other people can't. So I hope they're doing that. Right on. Uh, rest of the show, we got mailbag. We're going to talk about some access to the mixed doubles. Uh, what's happening around the curling world? Those mixed doubles are happening in Korea. And of course, Kevin is there. We're going to get your update, Kevin, on everything. I know you love mixed doubles. Uh, and so does Warren and so do many other people. Happening at the same time in another venue in Korea is the World Seniors for Men and Women. Check in there and see what's going on so far. Uh, also, an interesting event was completed this past weekend in Saskatoon, Toontown. It's called the Best of the West, which was a championship for the next next-gen players from the four Western provinces. Uh, we're going to tell you what's happening there. Hot Rock Topics. Baseball came up with a bunch of rules this year, uh, and it was to make the game shorter. I didn't think it would when I heard them, like, you're not allowed to shift, Kevin. They put a pitch clock on. They made the bases bigger. You know, you weren't allowed to do stuff defensively. And I thought, well, big deal. Well, that now has uh, made the average time of baseball games 30 minutes less, sometimes more. Should curling be looking at the same thing? So we want to talk about that. I know, Warren, you have lots to say about that. So totally interesting. Uh, Next, what are you hearing? Well, on Facebook this week, we heard some interesting comments about an attempt to increase curling dues in a club to keep up with the times. You're not going to believe what this curling club turned down when it came time to increase the dues. I did a double take. Uh, you got to be kidding me. A hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, the UTVs, and ZTRs to do it. We dig dirt. Baseball has long been recognized as a game that uh, just takes too long. They can go over three hours. The result is a number of changes have been incorporated uh, that are big changes, a little aggressive, with the objective of creating a game with more action, more balls in play, less dead time. Uh, a game with a better pace and rhythm, a game with uh, more base stealing, more chances to show off athleticism, more hits, a game with less swinging and missing and less time in between pitches. They are doing this with tactics such as larger bases, keeping infielders in the infield, which means the shift. Pitchers throwing to first, you know, to check runners. You can only do it so many times. Uh, So we're going to get rid of that. Pick any metaphor and it lines up pretty close with curling, says Warren, as we were talking last night. Uh, by the way, the result of all that has changed these games. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they've shortened them by half an hour. I, did, I didn't think it would make any difference, and I stand corrected. Warren, you must, you must love this topic. Your thoughts? Well, I think everything uh, that they're doing is in the right direction for baseball, and I think curling's got the same, same challenges as most of these big sports do. They're, they're too long. Mm-hmm. Um, after one of our, our shows, uh, a listener sent me a study that was done in the United States. It says, no, no, you guys are wrong. Here's a, a, a proof of it. Gen Z says that the length of the games isn't impacting why they are not interested in it. They're simply not interested in sports. Mm-hmm. Only 39% of them think that the reason they're not interested in sports is too long. But I, I think it kind of all pulls together. I think that it's got to be quick, engaging and fun. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's the challenge that all sports are going to have going forward because it's not just curling that's having difficulty attracting people under 40. This is why I think things like triples are a great idea because it's, again, it's everybody gets to skip for two ends. It's got fun and it's engaging. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mixed doubles, uh, it's going to be a great game for the future to bring in new people. The things that we can do to make the thing more engaging, I've still said, develop an app that once you get in the building, that app's going to give you all kinds of things to do, RF mics on every sheet of ice. You can ask someone in the question in the building questions if you have something, and, and things that they can play games and win things. All this is the type of stuff, I think, with all these sports that they're going to have to start doing to attract next gen or gen- Generation Z. I love the idea of, of uh, in a curling club setting, Warren brought up something months ago that I think is fantastic and and that's having mixed triples or mixed doubles or even four-person curling but you've actually got some sort of a picnic table or a table out on on the ice and you're actually sitting having cocktails and you might be subbing in and it's more of a group um, almost like a bowling alley situation where you got all these people sitting out on the ice with you and it'd just be a blast 
but that is the type of atmosphere that I'd love to see at a curling club. And it would all be about fun. Yes, there'd be some competitive leagues, but not so much of this. You got to curl Tuesday night from 630 till nine and that's it. That's it. That's the way it works. I don't know if that's going to be the future of our sport. I really don't think so. It's going to be more drop in, have fun and uh, bring your group. Yeah, and I think that idea, it, it's probably going to take uh, a club to reconstructure their facility to some degree to do it, but uh, I got it from Topgolf, and, and and I mean, Topgolf, that's what it's all about. I mean, computerized driving range, but it's party time, and you've got seating areas yeah. around, you you know, you go up, you have drinks, you have food, they even have uh, hot tubs <laughs> um, in a, in a Topgolf facility. They, they do, uh, and I went in Vegas. Um <laughs> so it, that's that's the idea. I mean, Top Golf has hit this number there. I mean, every time you go near one of those facilities, and I've been in a couple of them, they're packed with people. I'm, I'm a member of Top Golf, so I I go there lots, and it's it's so much fun. But where we were at the tee box, where Sean and I were at, you're at kind of the same drinking area and eating area with the with the group next to you. There's a bunch of people turned out there from Saskatchewan. Well, who would have dreamt? But anyway, and but, but you're right there. So we start talking and having drinks. And before you know it, like we're, we're just having a blast all together. There's about, I think, six of them and there's two of us. And, and we're, we're kind of a group. And that's what I can see happening in curling if we sort of implement the same idea. And, and yes, like we're, we're, we're playing golf too. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of secondary to the fun part. Yeah, you know, you can look at three things that, you know, when people play tennis, you know, as amateurs or as seniors or or for fun, it's a it's a hard game to play to get a flow with it in tennis because, you know, you got to get the balls. There's no ball boys. And I can't help but think that's how pickleball was invented, you know, to let's make it easier. Let's make it slower. You know, the, the ball. Speaking of baseball. You know, when, when fastball was around and people wanted to play there, I can't play this, you know, the pitch. so they came up with slow pitch. They changed the rules, right? They came with the and now you got a bunch of people having fun. You know, kids when they played, they can't they can't hit a hard ball, so they came up with tee ball to make it more interesting for the youth. And I love the top golf thing too, you know. But I, I think they got to make it more fun, fun, quick, and engaging. That's the three words. And and whatever sport you have, those three words need to be incorporated into what you're looking at for the future. Not just kids, Warren. That's what I like: fun, quick, engaging. Love it. In the house, brought to you by Goldline Curling. Goldline Curling equipment can be found in pro shops and curling stores all around the world. Plus, there are retail stores in Calgary, London, Scarborough, Mississauga, and two stores in Ottawa. Goldline can be found at every Grand Slam of curling event and online anytime at goldlinecurling.com. He almost interrupted my intro. The reason he's knocking so much is people have stopped letting him in. Okay, but we're good. We're going to... We're joined by the one and only Glenn Howard. How are you, Glenn? I'm great, thanks, Jimmy. I'm uh, yeah, having a great time here in Korea, and uh, good to see you, buddy. It's been a long time. Kevin, of course, right? He was so serious. Ne- would never come to the patch, okay, ever between games. <laughs> and uh, Gl- Glenn would pop in between ends when he was playing. It was beautiful, yeah. <laughs> You're not- I had to see my buddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? exactly. And uh, you've always, you were always so kind to jump on the mic. I was... Looking at your stats, okay? You're probably, uh, uh, let's call you six feet, 195 pounds. But if you put all the medals on that you've won, you're 340 pounds, okay? <laughs> Obviously, four briars, four world championships, uh, uh, seven provincial titles in a row. I think 17 is what I, is, is that what I read? 17 or 18 provincial titles? Provincials, yeah, 19 maybe, 18, 19. I don't know, something like uh, that. I don't know, 18, I don't know. I can't remember. Don't know. <laughs> well, sure, we give it to charity. Let's make it 25. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so what? A, what a career! But uh, you didn't. You, you didn't want to get out of it completely. You're you're over in Gang Gang Young. Am I pronouncing that right, Warren? Gagnon. Gagnon. It's French. No, Gagnon. it's French. Gagnon. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you're a coach now. Yes. Tell us about your team. Okay. You're over there with Brent and uh, of course Jennifer. What's going What's going on? How are they doing? 
Well, it, it, was, it was funny, Jimmy. It kind of came out of the blue when uh, Brent uh, Lang and Jennifer Jones won the Canadian Championship, Mixed Doubles Championship in Sudbury a month or so ago. Uh, on the way home, they gave me a call and said, uh, we're looking for a coach. Would you love to come over and uh, and take the job? And I literally, uh, I said yes right away. I said I couldn't believe it. I obviously, I've uh, gotten to know Jennifer. I knew Jennifer quite a bit, but then I play, I coached her, uh, her ladies team this year, which was awesome. And then, as you know, Brent Lang and I go back. Uh, we curled like 10 years together, won a couple of world championships together. Right. So uh, I think they knew what they were getting, and uh, I couldn't say no to that opportunity. It's an uh, opportunity of a lifetime to come over and coach the two of them. Uh, super fun. I'm learning on the fly, to be honest with you, and uh, what an event. I think uh, mixed doubles is fantastic. It's so exciting to watch. It's been a blast to coach. It's our future, and the excitement is is incredible. Loved every minute of it so far. D- did you have a bunch of coaches along the way, Glenn, when you played? I mean, we just banged off all your stats, so you must go back 150 years when you started winning. <laughs> Here's the ironic part. I've never had a coach in my life. Oh, wow. Honest to God. My father got my brother and I into the game back in the day. He taught us the technical part, and we kind of learned on the fly, uh, Russ and I, and never really had a coach. You've had, like, a team manager, but never a coach, and... Uh, I wish I did. So many things I think I could have learned even earlier. Uh, I think that's the beauty of our game today. You've got so many knowledgeable coaches that are, are helping teams along the way, which I think is super impressive and it's needed. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. We kind of learned on the fly, which is not great, but it was the way it was. When you look at it, Glenn, uh, you just say it's needed, uh, and, and yet you never had a coach. Uh, when you look at these teams today, what do you think they do need? a little bit of everything. I think today's game now, one person, one coach can't fill the bill. You need a technical, you need sports psych, you need nutrition, you need physical. You see it in the game today and you see the product. Like the product is is the best it's ever been. It's absolutely incredible. And I think it's because of the great coaching that we have across the world. Um, and these athletes are, are incredible and they're learning. And, and like I just, I take the four girls that I, I helped coach this year with Jennifer and they're sponges. Like they just want to learn as much as they can possibly get. And uh you know, I think a technical part of the game is super, super important. You have to be able to throw the rock technically sound. And you have to throw it consistently. And say myself or Kevin or, or anybody with, with experience in the game, you can bring a lot to a team. And I think in my case, I, I've been there, done that. There won't be a scenario where these young girls will get into it that I haven't seen. And I think it, and they can hear it from the horse's mouth. And I think that's really important. That being said, just because you're an experienced curler doesn't make you a good coach. I'd learned that right off the bat. Like, yeah, I may know a little bit about curling, but it doesn't mean I know a lot about coaching. Mm-hmm. And that's a learned skill. And I, I'm finding I'm learning literally every day as I've coached different teams. But I think coaches are very important in our game. And uh, I love to see the fact that all these teams are getting good coaching. And in like in Canada, it's, it's, it's phenomenal and really across the world. We see on television, right? We see all the coaches on television. We know what they do. By the way, you're one of the quicker coaches to get down to the uh, end of the ice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How much time are you spending with them off the ice? I coached Eve Muirhead for three years. Uh, spent a ton, obviously being in a different country, it was really difficult. So we did tons of Zoom calls. We did tactic strategy over like typical curling board in the background. And we go over scenarios. Uh, video, uh, video analysis, you know, they'd send me their deliveries and I, I kind of have a look at them and see if I can tweak them a bit. And then obviously in Jennifer's case and, and team Jones, we did team camps, but I was only brought in September. So I really didn't have a ton with the girls it was kind of on the fly, went to bond spiels and we do a little bit of technical work as much as we could. And then, um, you know, uh, tactical stuff you can do in a game and, a little bit of sports psych as much as I know. So there's, there's a lot to be had and, and it, you really got to put a lot of time in it to do it properly, in my opinion. Good for you. Uh, Warren, let's go to you first. Thanks for joining us, Glenn. Glad you're having fun in Korea. Let's talk about you for a minute. So what an unbelievable career you've had. And I guess the big question is, you're still going. So are you still planning on playing in in men's uh, again next year? Thanks, Warren, for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, I am kind of a year at a time. I'm still having fun, Warren, and, and honest to God, like am I the, the curler I used to be? Not even close. Am I having as much fun as I did in the past? Yes, I am. And I have three great guys with me, uh, you know, uh, Tim, March, Dave, me, and of course my son, Scott. And uh, playing with my son is, is really kept me going. I just had a blast with them. Uh, we're, we're serious, but we're not crazy serious. The boys can't put as much time in as uh, all the other teams on, on in the planet, but uh, 
we, we work around their jobs. We still go out and have some fun, make a little money, win a few games. My biggest thing is my body. Um, and, and Kevin can attest to this. Uh, I had some knee issues. I had a knee surgery in, in July and it worked great. But in the last month, it's kind of seized up. So uh, that's kind of concerning me a little bit. And if my body can hold up, I'm going to I'm going to play obviously next year. But uh, it's literally a year at a time. And it sounds cliche, but it's, it's about fun. I, I really do enjoy it. And we enjoy all aspects of the sport. Um, we take it seriously, but not that crazy serious and enjoy every minute of it. And I, I figure I'm on borrowed time. Like at my age, 60 years old, I'm still playing. I, I still, I can't believe it. And it's, you know, people say, ah, oh, you should retire. You should do, well, no, I'm having fun. Like, you know, I just enjoy it. And don't get me wrong. I want to win. Uh, every time I put lace up the boots, I, I want to win. And I, I love every part of that. And uh, I hate losing even at this age. And uh, But on the same token, I enjoy every minute of it. Well, that's the big thing. People have asked us many qu- questions on this area of when do you retire? And uh, my comments always been uh, fairly simple. When you lose and a half an hour later, it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. I guess, how do you keep getting yourself up mentally to be able to go at this the way you, and you've got to be able to play the level you're at to, to get yourself up uh, emotionally. How, how do you do it? it? It It's interesting. That's a good question, uh, Warren. I've had a few people ask that. I, it, it's just inherent. I, it just It's just all the years of competing Again, as soon as you place the shoes up and I go out and I step on the ice, I just go, okay, I'm in the zone. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I want to be. And I just go and and curl and try to do the best I can to make shots. Losing hurts. It doesn't hurt as much as it used to because I, I put it in perspective. I'm personally not as good as I used to be. And, and, but on the same token, like we've had an unbelievable provincial this year. We went seven and all lost the final and that hurts. You know, I get a chance to go back to another briar, but you know, have I never been there before? That would have been really devastating. But of course I have. And it kind of goes away quickly. Kevin can totally attest. You put, as soon as you put those lace loose shoes up, you want to win. And uh, I don't know what, I don't have to force myself. It just comes inherently. Well, good for you. So let's talk about coaching before I flip it over to Kevin. So you've coached four person a fair amount. Now you're coaching mixed doubles. What's different about coaching four person versus mixed doubles? What are you doing differently? What do you see differently? Um, so it's interesting because uh, this is a really a whole new animal for me with the mixed doubles. Two people, less drama. It's interesting, and obviously, it's also different with with Brent and Jen. You've got you've got Jen, who's the goat, the greatest female curler ever. You got Brent Lang, who his resume is off the charts. What can you tell these two? Nothing. I'm here for sort of a. A little bit of technical help, a little bit of strategy. I think familiarity. I think they know what they're getting with me. I'm kind of, I think I'm okay to hang around with. Not a done. I was going to be do a lot of rock matching. And then, of course, my knee kind of tricked me up. So that kind of threw a screw into things. But uh, I scout other teams. I'm not doing nearly as much for these two as I would with a four person. That was the biggest thing for me is I always think I'm never doing enough. I think there's a fine line with not doing enough and doing too much. And there's somewhere in between, I think it's the right amount. And sometimes less is more. It just depends on the teams. Obviously, in this case, I found it way easier to coach, you know, Brett and Jen because they're just so knowledgeable. They know everything. It's just, you know, you have a little speech like, um, you know, we just played four of the best five teams in the event. We're going into, you know, so-called the lower ranked teams. We've got to get up for this game. Well, they know that, you know, they just, you know, you want to keep your foot on the pedal. Well, they, they get that. And then, you know, we got to make sure the ice might change it. Well, they know that. So it's it's actually really easy coaching these guys. Uh, it's more of a just kind of be there for them if they need anything. Thanks again, Glenn, obviously for coming on. We, uh, oh, cheers. We're, we're kind of on the same bench together, Jimmy, when uh, here in Korea, we're, we're close together all the time. So it's been, it's been wonderful. Time change. Time change. And I guess being able to get out in the city and and see things because it's a different world here uh, when you come you know halfway around how do, how does the team handle that well we got in here early we we flew in uh tuesday and we uh, went to seoul we flew into seoul and then stayed in seoul for a couple of days and got acclimatized did some sightseeing around there which is fantastic brett and jen are, the, are two that want to get out and see they like they do a ton of traveling on their own anyway so we wanted to go out and see the city and, and with scott pfeiffer so the four of us uh, four amigos we kind of went all over seoul you know, and enjoyed the different fare, a couple of Korean barbecues, just tried to kind of take in the culture and then obviously get acclimatized. And it really didn't take long. Like Jen and Brent were over the, say, the, the jet lag in probably two or three days. And then we came up here and they were ready to go right off the bat. So I think it was really important that we got here a couple of days early. 
I know a couple of teams or a couple of countries did not do that. And that has to play on you. It's, you know, a 13 hour time change from Ontario. That's a lot of time. We rented a car here, so we're bombing all over the city, taking it all in. We, we've had a ball so far, but uh, I think we've well adjusted and, and looking at the way they're curling, I think they've handled it very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are curling great. You know, I want to talk a little bit to you, Glenn, and this is something you and I would talk about privately as well. And that's, if you look at the two pools, the top five teams, you've got, of course, Canada, Scotland, but you've got Estonia, Australia, <laughs> and Italy. Back in the day, that, that would have been unheard of. Now, now, Pool B, you've got Norway and Switzerland and USA, but you've also got Japan and Turkey. Well, what's going on in our sport? That's it. That's, it's it. This, this mass expansion into all sorts of places in the world. Well, funny, Kev, if you and I were talking 10 years ago and you said those would be the top five teams in mixed doubles or whatever, even even four-person, I'd say you're full of you-know-what. Obviously, it's fantastic, Kevin, to see the parody across the world. I love to see the fact that these other countries are so good. Uh, and so good and so fast. Like Estonia, I even talked to people at home. I said, oh, we, you know, we lost a tough game to Estonia. And they're going, Estonia? Like, are you kidding? I said, they are bloody good. Like, they're really good curlers. You know, that pair have, have uh, put all their time and effort into mixed doubles, and it shows. And uh, the, again, I, I go back to the quality of curling in, in the world today is phenomenal. And these countries, it, it's I just think it's fantastic. Back in our day, Kev, right, we had, let's, you go to world championship, it was three or four countries, five countries maybe. The other five were not really in the mix. And it was your typical... Scandinavian countries, Scotland, Canada sort of thing. And, and now, you know, the Asian countries are amazing and you got Estonia and Turkey and, and uh, it's, it's fantastic. And the old proverbial, there's no free space in the bingo card anymore. And uh, I, I just love to see it. I just think it's fantastic for our sport. Did you happen to see uh, how Estonia beat uh, Bruce Mowat? I did. How good was that freeze? So just so everybody knows <laughs> that we're talking to here, one would think Scotland would be the overwhelming favorite against Estonia. Anyway, last end, rock behind the button of Scotland's, and Estonia has a kicker in the 12-foot. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Marie Coldvy, uh, the last rock thrower, locks a freeze exactly perfect, and the game's over. You had a better sight line than me. Was there anything I think there might have been, Kev, if, if Jen Dodds absolutely hit it dead on the nose, it was slightly off center. So if she hits it dead on the nose with bomber weight and it might squirt out enough, a foot or two, for her to be shot with her throwing rock, but it had to be letter perfect. And like that freeze was money. When she ends up hitting it like, I don't know, it's two thirds or three quarters, everything blew out and the kicker ends up being the shot rock. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like, Unbelievable again, win. very impressive. Very impressive. I love the mixed doubles. I'm kind of like you. I just, uh, I think it's a, a lot of the future of our sport. We don't have a Canadian junior mixed doubles. We don't have a world junior mixed doubles, but yet mixed doubles, you can win Olympic gold medals. So your thoughts on, on I guess, expansion. We have crazy expansion worldwide, but yet we don't have everything with our juniors yet. Yeah, we're we're missing the boat there, Kev. Scotty Pfeiffer's been. I spent you know we've been eight days with Scott, and he's filling me in with all the ins and outs of uh, of mixed doubles. And he brought that up. He says, "Glenn, we've got to get uh, some sort of a national, uh, you know, we call it a U twenty five or a junior, whatever. It needs to be a feeder, and it makes so so much sense. Like it, it's it's an Olympic, we, it's an Olympic sport now. When we have all we have is adults." <laughs> or, or or seniors, whatever, and we definitely got to get the kids involved and and moving up and and get our feeder system working into it. It's just something we we have to do. So I think maybe there's not been enough thought put into it, but yeah, Kev, we got to branch this out and make it bigger and better because I I've got my feet wet with mixed doubles. I love it. I just I can't get over it. like there's so many things you can do. The strategy is incredible. Different ideas on how to play it. Uh, the time clock comes into play because you don't have a lot of time. You make mistakes because you're rushing. It's brilliant. Like all the rule changes we made in that in that uh, venue, it's just been fantastic. Love it. Right. And so one more part, and I want to let Jimmy back in here. But when it comes to the time of year for having the Canadian Mixed Doubles Championship and then the World Mixed Doubles, you've got, if you go through the rosters, um, there's so many athletes that are injured right now because 
of just wear and tear uh, mm -hmm. because of all the different world championships that have just happened. Uh, you're in your main Grand Slam season as well. And now we're, we're mixed doubles at the end. Is there a, maybe a better time of the year where we could have the world mixed doubles so that the mixed doubles teams could be prepared for that and then not forget about their four-person curling too, but it seems to be kind of all jumbled together. Right. It, it's funny, Kevin. I've, I've, it's funny. I've never been an advocate of, of, of uh, an early announcement of a team. I could give it an extra year, whatever, because you know, all my whenever we, I won a, a, a briar, I couldn't get on the ice fast enough. Get me to the world championship. It was two or three weeks later. We were prepared, ready to go. Times are changing. I do believe because if we want to keep, um, I, I and I think we want to keep our best curlers to be able to play both. And if you're going to be able to play both, and to your point, it's just too compact. So maybe it makes sense to do the mixed doubles, say April or May, end of, of an Olympic year, and then we know who those two teams, who those two players are. And then if they, they can still play on their four-person team and they can just you know, figure out their schedule accordingly, the only crux would be if they happen to win both, then you've got the problem of the mixed doubles team playing the week and a half at the Olympics and they wouldn't be able to train with their four-person team. Kind of a nice problem to have, but that would be the only <laughs> issue. But I think to your point, if you get a chance to play both, you almost have to play one a little sooner. Maybe that makes sense to do the mixed doubles six, eight months before. This is a, a loaded question here uh, with, with a bunch of different answers. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Surprise, coming from Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> curling is at a place uh, right now where um, perhaps the most positive thing that's happened to curling is the international growth, you know, over the years where you have Asia and, and these other teams you guys were just talking about. Since we started doing this show, Glenn, uh, a lot of the topic has been how curling needs to change because when I met you, Glenn Breyers had, you know, 10, 12,000 people at it. It was much bigger. Now there's smaller venues. Uh, we find curling, local curling clubs are closing. People are starting to weigh in saying the game is too long. Uh, we got to shorten it up. Uh, we got to fix some rules. The other one is trying to get the youth and, and both Kevin and Warren have said that we got to get rid of this provincial requirement or having provincials in them in our national championships what do you say to all that glenn uh and your thoughts on the game i'm scared for the game right now because number one is curling clubs closing that scares me like i you know the gta in in toronto i can name off 10 curling clubs that have gone in the last five years that scares mm -hmm. me we need to get the youth in the in the sport we have to keep them in the sport they find a job, they get out. It needs to be exciting. It needs to be fun. Fun is the number one thing for me to keep kids in this game. And we need to have that as a feeder. They have to continue to grow. And, you know, you see the United States is still booming, you know, and I think it's all come off maybe a gold medal and that. But there are a lot of their curling clubs. They, they go, you go in there. It's all about fun. Two dollar mm -hmm. beers. Go in there. You come with your buddies. You go out and play a little less serious, but they're having a ball. And I think we're losing a little bit of that in Canada. Briars. I'd love to see it get back to 11, 12, 13,000 people that we played. It was so fun. I don't know what the answer is, Jimmy. And then, of course, when it comes to provincial uh, representation, what we have to decide is what's our purpose? What is our purpose for running a briar? What's our purpose for running the Canada Cup? Is the purpose of our briar to get the best team in our country to represent us at the world? If that's the case, then we should always have the best teams in the briar. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not through provincial representation, because that's right. just never the case. If it isn't, if it's all about making money, and and I don't know what the whole end is, then that's a whole different animal. And, and they have to make money. I get it. The, you know, Cur Curling Canada has to make money off the Briar and Scotties, or all these programs aren't going to be funded. I don't love where it's at right now, but I don't really know the answer. You blow it up, and and no. So my worry there is if you, if you have no provincial representation, you have say whatever the top. 12 teams in, in the country, men and women, and there's no provincial representation, will we have less people mm -hmm. going to these events? Because they like the fact that it's Ontario versus Alberta, as opposed to Howard versus Martin. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. It is a problem, and it's, it's we've got to come up with some solutions, because I don't like the way the game is going that way. We're losing kids, we're losing curling clubs, and we're losing bums and seats. It's a tough one, Jimmy, and I think, I don't know whether there is a, there's a real you know magic pill to figure that out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Length of game, uh, Glenn. I was always a big advocate of uh, going back to eight ends. Uh, and I might have been because, 
I don't want to personally don't want to be out the ice that long. I think that was, uh, I don't, I don't hate 10, but I'm, I'm okay with eight ends. I'm okay to go back to, uh, to, to that. Uh, as long, the ice conditions are great. You know, sometimes way back in the day you had to break the ice in, so you didn't mind burning a couple ends, but the ice is so good now. I think eight's enough. TV is a big part of our sport. And if TV thinks that maybe we should go to eight ends because uh, they want to shorten it, maybe that's the move. But mm-hmm. then they have less commercial time. So I don't know what that's all about. I don't hate 10 either. Like, I have no problem playing 10 ends. Sometimes I feel when I'm playing, I've got a better chance of winning. We go a couple ends, and that's just from a personal perspective. But it maybe the game's too long with 10. 10 ends is good if you're losing after eight. Your knee like six now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Six ends and no practice rocks. I'm good to go. <laughs> Glenn, listen, of all the things you've won, and you've been recognized. I cannot figure out how you made it into the Penetanguishing Sports <laughs> Hall of Fame. Okay, I just—I don't know how you got in there. Okay, it must have—it must have gone down to a final vote. You know, they probably had to count the ballots more, twice. More importantly, is how do you know that I'm in yeah. the Penetanguishing? <laughs> I've known you guys a long time, man. I'm from Ontario. You—you've got to be a happy guy today. What a win by the Leafs! Oh, buddy, you have no idea. That was unbelievable. 4-1, I'm thinking, okay, come on out and do a decent job in the third period. Make it look like we're going to you know, have a good shot at game five. And the boys pulled it off. The question is, can we finish this thing off and go to round two? It's been too long. <laughs> well, if they don't do it, you may get a job as a coach. Coaching the Leafs. <laughs> the GM and, and coach will both be gone, I think. And, and uh, Dubas, I think they're in trouble if they don't get <laughs> round two. But, oh, my God. It's been a long time, buddy. Believe. you got to believe. Glenn Howard's been our guest. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank, and you too, Kevin, for getting up. Or not not getting, I guess, staying up. Huh? <laughs> staying <Yeah>. up. <laughs> Although I used to get up at 11 and then head out <laughs> at night. <laughs> yeah, I'd see you Exactly, boys. Yeah, take it easy, uh, Glenn. Good luck the rest of the way. And, uh, uh, boy, curling is still, uh, we're still lucky to have you in the game, man. That's great. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And, and guys, thanks very much for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. You guys do a wonderful job on in inside curling. I think it's fantastic. Thanks, Glenn. We look forward to watching you vibe for the provincial title when you're 68. Okay, you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, oh, Glenn. See you in the morning. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Okay, let's whip along the rest of the show. Thanks a lot, Glenn. Uh, isn't he good, Kevin? Glenn Howard? Such a good spokesperson, huh? What a, an ambassador for our sport, absolutely. I just love it when Glenn and I get a minute to just by ourselves and be able to talk about curling. You know, it's just he's such a smart guy when it comes to the, our sport and, and the growth of it and where it's going, and uh, we, have, we have some great discussions. He's a great guy. I, I'm guessing, Kevin, when you go on these long trips, and you'd see Glenn Howard's on the same trip. You go, oh, fantastic. I have a glass of wine with a guy. <laughs> Can't wait to see him. Yeah. Someone, yeah, yeah. It's good. An old buddy. Yeah, yeah an exactly. old buddy. Yeah. I'll, I'll be able to hit the bar and have a little drink. Uh, and one of the nicest guys ever. He's becoming, a, obviously, a sought-after coach, but might compete as well. Mailbag brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your day. This from Jim. Hi, guys. I'm quite disappointed with the streaming coverage of the Mixed Doubles World Championship. I thought at the very least we might get to see some replays, but it seems that the Curling Channel must have tied it up. My thinking is that this is a relatively new sport, and the last thing you should be doing is restricting viewership. The more people watching, now you can run all the ads you want until everyone is nauseous from watching the same ads over and over and over. Take care of your rocks, says Jim. Well, thanks, Jim, for the note. I already sent Jim an email, and I told him if he goes into the recast site, I told him the process to go through as to how to find how to get the replays, that they are there. But frankly, they're not easy to find. I guess that's the one thing that you would hope that they would try and make it a little more obvious to people when they're going in there as to how they can get the replays. I think the whole idea of of them charging for that site is also, uh, as far as video stream is concerned, when you're Putting a stream up to build an audience, until you've built that audience, you shouldn't be charging, I don't believe. And it's a problem because the hardcore people will go in there and they'll pay for it. Many of them want. And and I know it's not an easy process to to even pay for that uh, access. So I think that's something that uh, hopefully 
can be made easier. I think Curling Canada hasn't done much of a job on letting it be known to the Canadian curling public that these broadcasts are available on Recast as well. So it's a bit of a guessing game. Uh, I still find interesting mixed doubles has been an Olympic sport since 2015. We don't have any linear television coverage of the Canadian mixed doubles championships. We don't have any linear coverage of the world mixed doubles championships. We still don't have a junior mixed doubles. And uh, it's a head scratcher. The fact that this is an Olympic medal sport that we aren't paying more attention to it than we are in Canada. Can you give us an idea, Kev, of, of how broadcasting is going to be in the future and what changes they might be looking at? Well, in the future, one never knows the future, but what's happening right now is that uh, when it came to Senviken for the women's worlds and Ottawa for the men's worlds, uh, we actually had eight commentators and we're covering three or four sheets every single game. So there's mm-hmm. lots of coverage, lots of countries buying the feed, and we have different ways of covering the game. You have full broadcast, um, like we're fairly used to seeing on Sportsnet and TSN in Canada, like that. But then we also have streaming broadcasts. The way we look at it, there's pink shows, there's blue shows, green shows. The pink show is like kind of like a streaming uh, less cameras. Now, I'm not sure if Jim was talking about replays as far as replaying a shot or the ability to replay a game. A show. I'll tell you why, is that when it comes to the Blue Show, which is a full production, there are updates, there are replays, uh, highlights, mm-hmm. the whole package. When it comes to the Pink Show, there are no updates, there are no replays. But if you watch a blue show, which is a full production show, it's kind of like you'd see on Sportsnet or TSN. So, you know, it is slightly different as far as the uh, the lever- level of the coverage. So you're asking me in the future what it's going to be like. I was talking to one of the cameramen that do a ton of curling. We call him Stino, a uh, really good cameraman. He's been around the game forever. And it's just, it just keeps expanding, uh, you know, we talk about how more and more countries are getting into curling and how many more countries are picking up the up the feed. So we need more and more uh, sheets being covered. So that's, you know, so what's the future going to be? Well, probably kind of like Olympic coverage where every sheet is covered either by mm-hmm. a full broadcast or by a stream. So that's kind of where it's going, I think, is it's uh, it's just expanding really well worldwide. Kevin, you are 13 hours ahead. Uh, don't fall asleep. You've got more work to do. What's happening around the curling world? is brought to you by Sports Interaction. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make a play at Sports Interaction. You've got to be 19 years old to play, and we want you to play responsibly. Uh, the world mixed doubles, Kev. Uh, we've heard from Glenn Howard. We know by now what's going on there. Uh, you're there. Bring us up to speed on what's happening. In Canada and the U.S., the feed's not being picked up. So um, the way to watch it is through recast in, uh, in the two countries. Um, okay. So... Two pools of 10, top three in each pool. The top team in each pool go to the semifinals, overlapping two against three, play in the quarterfinals. Winners play the one and two seeds in the semis, carry on to a a gold, silver, and bronze medals, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. So in pool A, where we sit now is after six games, top five teams, really, these are the teams that still have a chance of getting in the playoffs. Canada, Estonia, Scotland, Australia, and Italy. Canada and Estonia at 5-1, and one, leading the pack. Now, Estonia beat Canada, so they're in first place. Canada's in second. Scotland, Australia are at 4-2, and two, and Italy at 3-3. Three and three. Canada plays Denmark, Hungary, Korea, all people out of the playoffs. Estonia still has to play Australia and Italy, so they have a tougher f- uh, road. So you got to give the advantage a bit to Canada. Scotland plays Hungary, Czechs, and Australia, so they've got a fairly easy road. Uh, Australia has to play Estonia and Scotland. So that's where it sits. Italy, they're at three losses. They're needing some help. Uh, They play Estonia, so they could help themselves by knocking them down one. Pool B, you've got Japan, Norway, USA, Switzerland, and Turkey. Japan is at 6-0 doing really well. But they play Turkey and Swiss yet. So that's interesting. Norway and the US are both at five and one. Norway, that's Martine Roning um, from the World Women's. They play the US yet. 
They play a couple of teams that aren't doing very well, England and Germany. That's Norway. The USA, they play um, Turkey as well as uh, Norway. So that's, of course, Corey and Corey, Corey Dropkin and, and uh, Corey Tisi. Switzerland and Turkey at four and two. So they are all in the mix. It's just some countries that are pretty interesting between Estonia, Australia, Italy, uh, Turkey, and Japan. Five of the ten are countries that just a few years ago you would never have thought they'd be at the top. Mm-hmm. To me, that's really interesting as to how things are shaking out here in, in Korea. The buildings. So when you walk around the old Olympic Park, it, it was 2018 when the Olympics were here. And the buildings are mm-hmm. fantastic, and the area is gorgeous and big. Complexes were built for the Olympics. We're living in the curling facility, and, and it, it's in great shape. They really look after it. And then I was in the hockey building. That's where the seniors is taking place. Same thing, immaculate, just kept perfect. You know, it's, it's really nice to see these Olympic buildings being used and being kept really, really nice, which is fantastic mm-hmm. for, for the area and for all the kids' uh, that are playing in all these various sports. Right. Warren, uh, there's another event at the same time, the World Seniors uh, Championship. Um, Before you give us an update there, Warren, how is it decided which countries get to host these events? Well, the World Curling Federation uh, accepts bids from them. And uh, I think from that point, they try to determine which is the best site in any given year. I know in many cases that they're having some challenges right now to find countries to host a lot of these smaller events. So if people are listening out there and you might be interested in hosting a world mixed or a world seniors, uh, you should contact the WCF and show some interest. The one exception to that would be the men's and women's worlds. And because of an agreement that they have with Curling Canada, they alternate. One year the men's is in Canada, the other year the women's is. And the year in between those two events also go to other areas in the world who can bid on them. I wonder how long we'll be able to keep that that we get the worlds every every second year before other countries go, okay, enough of that. Well, I'm kind of surprised it's continued on as, as long as it has because I was part of that uh, creation back in 2005 because we'd run into a, a wall in two ways. The world men's and women's were being played together, but it was 10 countries in each, and there was mm-hmm. huge pressure to increase the number of countries, which, of course, you couldn't do it with, with uh, more than 10 the other problem was that Ford of Canada was a sponsor of the World Men's and Women's Championship, and the event was only at that point in time, probably in Canada, one in every three years. So Ford kind of indicated clearly that if the event wasn't going to be in Canada more than one in every three years, Ford of Canada was not going to continue as the sponsor. So that whole scheme of one year the women's is in Canada and the next year the men's is mm-hmm. was created for the Ford sponsorship. Ford is gone, left as of 2017. Uh, so I'm not sure what continues the way it is, but I would think, as you have suggested, it probably isn't going to be that way forever. Uh, before you give us the update, Warren, the other obvious one is, why are these two events happening at the same time? Mixed doubles kind of came into the picture in around 2008 as a world championship, and kind of at that point in time, it was pretty loosey-goosey is how it was done, and there was usually about 40 countries in it. And so the World Federation thought by tacking it on to the World Seniors, there would at least be some spectators from that seniors event, which is very large, that may be part of the World Mixed Doubles to pay attention to it. It would get some attention. Um, I think we've gone beyond that. I know that they are looking at it, but it still is their opinion. By running the two events together, they now have a number of people there in some of these small areas, like Korea, where there will be some spectators from one event going to the other. Uh, So give us an update, Warren. What's happening at the World Seniors? Okay, so Canada is represented by Sherry Anderson and uh, Howard Rajala. Uh, on the men's side, we'll take a look at that first. There's more teams than in the women's. So on the men's side, there's three groups, A, B, and C, with eight teams in each group. Canada is in the A group. They're doing quite well. The top teams in the A group at the moment are Hungary at 5-0, and Canada at 4-1, and Czech Republic at 3-2. and In the B group, Sweden is at 4-0, and Germany's at 3-1, and and Switzerland's at 3-1. and Those are the ones at the top of the ladder at the moment. There's about four countries at two and two that are still very much probably in the running, Korea, Latvia, New Zealand, and England. In the C group at the top is the United States. They're at five and oh. Ireland's at four and one, Norway's at three and one, and Australia at three and two. 
and the balance of that group have three losses. So the playoff structure is not totally clear. From what I'm able to gather, it looks like eight teams are going to qualify for the playoffs. So I would assume at the end of this round, Robin, the top eight records will advance to the next round, and I believe that starts on Friday. Good golly, Miss Molly. That's the first time I heard Ireland is in this thing. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that name in curling ever. Yeah, nice. Well, uh, it's kind of interesting because you've got Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales all have entries at the world okay. championship level. But once we go to the Olympics, they're all Great Britain, one entry. There may be a bar brawl if we know the Scots. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Kev. Well, speaking of bars, um, I, I wanted to mention this in uh, in the hockey venue here in uh, in Korea. So way upstairs, there's this huge. Um, it would be a private suite, mm-hmm. and it maybe holds a hundred people. It's big. It's on the third level, so it's it's, it's way high, mm-hmm. and and but there's an elevator up from the basement, and so the the senior teams when they're not playing, they've got this pub. <laughs> It's, it's fantastic, and so, and and it's a whole glass wall, so you can watch the curling below. And and when you're not playing, you can be up in this bar thing mm-hmm. and having a great time. So the seniors are being looked after like five star. Like this is, <laughs> it, oh yeah, beauty. And I wanted to mention that because anybody thinking of going into seniors curling, if there's if there's this at every uh, seniors event, I tell you what, you gotta go. Because right. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's so much fun. Everybody's having a blast here. So, kudos to uh, to the uh, you know Ganwon Du and uh, and uh, Gang Now uh, Ganyong Curling Facility to to make this happen because it's 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 fantastic. So, are you coming out of retirement? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be tough to get them to come out of the bar. Never mind, come out exactly. of retirement. Yeah. Oh, we've been enjoying going over and saying hi to everybody and stuff. And yeah, perfect. What's what's the biggest city near you, Kevin? Uh, when people hear Gangyang, I don't know where that is in Korea. Gangyang, so that's it, we're right on the coast. It's about a four-hour drive from Seoul. We're just south of the DMZ. Um, Gangwangdu is about I think around two hundred fifty thousand people where we are right now. It's a, just a beautiful area. It's not far from Pyeongchang, um, where all the skiing was for the uh, for the Olympic Games. So that's where we are. There was an earthquake today, actually here. What um, near? Yeah, not far from here, three point five uh, earthquake, and uh, but everything everything's good. But that was kind of big news <laughs> in the, in the area, no of course. <laughs> uh, Warren, I've been to the Nutana Curling Club in Saskatoon, and uh, there's an event going on there, the Best of the West. What's that all about? Well, that concluded last weekend, Jim, and this was something that was started by Matt Dunstan, I believe, two years ago, where he decided to try to start a a, a cash event at the end of the year that would involve, I believe it's U25, and he called it the Best of the West, it's next-gen event, men's and women's, two teams from each western province, so Alberta, BC, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, each have two teams there. There's a reasonably good prize money involved, $20,000. And some of the familiar names that uh, our listeners may be familiar with are Kelsey Rock, Kyla Skirik, Selena Sturmery, Corin Brown. And on the men's side, Braden Calvert, Jacques Cochet, Karsten Sturmey. In the end, on the women's side, Corin Brown, BC, defeated Kelsey Rock, who is now Manitoba because that's where her team is going to be next year, 6-1. to one. And on the men's side, Karsten Sturmey from Alberta, defeated Ryan Weeb of Manitoba, 7-1 to one in a game that only went five ends. So both Sturmey and Brown are names that we are also pretty familiar with these days and uh, are going to be part of the whole structure going forward. But I think this is a really good idea, and I think they need more of these next-gen events that involve these players that are going to be the, the future. What are you hearing? Brought to you by Hearing Life. If vision places the world in front of us, Hearing places us at its center. Hearing Life invites you to love your ears with a free hearing test. No referral needed. Visit hearinglife.ca to book your free hearing test today. What are we hearing, Warren? This is what I was saying, Kevin, at the top of the show. A club tried to increase their dues by five bucks. It got voted down. (laughs) Well... I think this has been the problem forever. And and in the posting that it was uh, put up there with a few comments, they were fairly quick to point out that the board of the club involved uh, had a lot of people on it that are retired. 
that being the case, they just don't want to increase the price at which you're playing, which this has been the problem with curling forever. It's always been too cheap. The drinks, uh, the food, they sell it at virtually no profit. Or even in areas like in Edmonton where there's multiple clubs, they start to get into out-cheap-you wars of one club offering uh, dues that are cheaper than another one mm-hmm. to try to attract people. And so as a result of this, uh, I don't know what better term I could use, than cheap approach to life mm-hmm. that has been generally, particularly in Western Canada, this is pretty much... Uh, a Western kind of thing more so than, than East. Curling clubs have surely but surely got themselves into a corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're at the point now where in many cases, if they don't start to increase dues, they're going to find themselves in some difficulty with just keeping things going. Uh, many cases, they're going to have building and ice plant problems they got to deal with. Uh, the other problem going forward is every one of them is facing an increased cost of hydro. If they don't start to take a look at this whole thing and deal with it, Disaster on the horizon. I think when we were talking to uh, Bruce Mowitz telling us in Scotland, because of hydro costs going right out of, out of sight, mm-hmm. that a number of those clubs over there aren't going to be able to f- afford to keep going next year. Curling clubs have got to, as a group, first of all, get some younger people on your boards, if you can, but they're going to have to substantially increase dues or get the municipal governments involved in the area they're in, or both. Or I can see in many, many cases in Western Canada in particular, in the years ahead, maybe not that far ahead, a lot of them are going to be in some major financial problems. Kev? Oh, can't argue that. It's, uh, inflation's real, and uh, in the last uh, while, inflation's been incredibly difficult on everybody's households. So I understand why people don't want to pay more dues for their you know, recreation. But real life means that if, if you're having trouble paying your bills at home, well, guess what? Your club is too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, there's no difference. Right. So, um, the club, like the grocery store and the car dealership and everybody else that's raising their prices, well, you have to. Otherwise, the doors are going to be closed. There's just, there's no, there's no choice. I bought a house in the mid '70s. You know, I'm not going to pay any more money for it in the year 2023, particularly at golf courses and now these curling clubs. Where it comes time to increase dues or maybe raise the minimum, you know, or, or, or have to do something to generate more cash or raise the price of drinks. And it's always these seniors who vote it down because they're on their way out, you know, and they don't want to do it, right? And I want to say to all those seniors, you know, you know, the club you're sitting in now was voted by generations before you. And if they didn't vote for the increase in prices, you wouldn't be sitting here. Mr. and Mrs. Senior Citizen, you know? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you you have to vote for increases. You have to. Because people did before you. You know? <laughs> there you go. Well, and it's also the fact of inc- changing how the whole game is being presented and how it's being offered, which is not a, in its current state, attractive to enough people under the age of 40 to sustain this sport 10 years from now. And curling's not alone. Uh, they aren't the only one that still has the primary number of people involved that are over the age of probably 50. And uh, I mean, golf's got the same challenges, although golf seems to uh, the pandemic seems to have helped golf. I see a lot of younger people at driving range than I've ever seen before. And uh, for whatever reason, they seem to be pulling people in. But golf has got to shorten everything up. They've got a whole bunch of rules they've got to change. I mean, recreational golfers watch the PGA Tour, and then that's what they start doing, this whole business of pulling the pin and marking your putt four times and things, again, that just make everything too slow. So curling, they've all got the same challenge. Okay, well, let's let's look at it per month. They turned down an increase of 40 cents a month. You got to be joking. I've had enough. <laughs> Jimmy's going to, and I don't curl. Jimmy. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll pay. Kevin, I'm going to pay for the increase for the uh, that curling club, okay? Uh, what a show. Uh, that was great. Uh, thanks a lot to Glenn Howard, and uh, thank you for listening. Also, a big thank you to Rod Paulson, his company, In-House Strategies, who you know by now. Look that up if you need some media stuff done and, and marketing. Uh, Roger Guy, our email, insidecurling at gmail.com. Drop us a letter, email, and uh, you may get yours read on air. Also, a big thank you to Sports Interaction, Coyote, Boost, Hearing Life, and Goldline, who make all of this possible. And, of course, our two World Curling Hall of Famers, Kevin Martin and 
Warren Hansen. Uh, Kev, you're 13 hours ahead. 15. 15? 15 from home. 15 from, 13 from you. Oh, right. Here in Sudbury. Yeah. Um, yeah, 15 from home. You're from 13, 15, I'm two. Warren's three hours ahead. That's one and a half. The people on the East Coast are uh, an Jim, hour Jim, Jim, don't think. Don't think. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. Thanks for uh, tuning in and joining us uh, each and every week. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Not only are we back next week with our regular show, but between now and then, uh, we're going to do an update show, Kev, of what's going on in Korea. And we're going to do that Friday. So join us then. If you're driving down Young Street, check out the billboard. We're up in lights inside curling. Uh, Take it easy, boys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. Oh, I'm famous.